<laughs> My guest just jumped. Jumped when that beat dropped. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Keith Battle Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Please share this with a friend or family member. We're, we're addressing a very important subject today. October 2018. This is... Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we couldn't end this month without addressing this very important subject. So I'm excited today to have with us some special guests on our podcast today. Miss Priscilla Thomas uh, works at the Family Crisis Center here in our area. And she's got a 30-year marriage relationship and some history with this subject, not only personally but professionally. So we thank you, Miss Priscilla, for being here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you're welcome. And also, we're grateful to have Miss Latasia Leak, who's a special educator at Largo High School. And she, too, has a story around this subject that I think will be helpful for all of us to hear. So thank you, Latasia. My pleasure. All right. All right, ladies. So I want to start by asking you all, if you would, just to kind of break the ice, if you briefly tell us your story, your personal story of domestic abuse, if you can just give us a synopsis of what your 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 journey has been and why this is so important. Either one of you, whoever wants okay, to Okay, I can first. start first. Okay, I got married young in college. My husband is from a different culture and... Um, I didn't know where to go to get help, and I mm -hmm. suffered through it. And then finally, when I couldn't take it anymore and I couldn't get the help I wanted, I decided to go get a degree in counseling psychology, mm -hmm. which led me to the Family Crisis Center as a intern. Mm. So I believe because this is, you know, you are a pastor, so you understand divine, you know. Mm -hmm. I think I was placed there for a purpose because I, I have personal history and I can really relate to the both the perpetrators and the victim. So I yeah. think I was placed in the right place. Sort of like I always say, sometimes our misery becomes our ministry. Yes. Like your pain led to your purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you really can relate. But and, and the thing, a funny thing about it is I found the Family Crisis Center when I was getting divorced. Wow. So I had finally found my way out of the marriage. Mm-hmm. So I was on the healing process at mm -hmm. that time because I don't think I could have done the job that I'm doing now when I'm I was still going through it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you stayed. You 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 stayed a long time, right? I stayed a long time. So how long were you how long were you in an abusive relationship? Well, actually, you know, I I went through all the phases from the the violent part to the the whole gamut, the emotional part. And, um, you know, I guess I've fallen in that old school. You saw your parents do it. You saw your family members do it. And you you say you made your bed, you you, you know. Mm. So I stayed. Just stuck in there, I stuck hung it Because my mom and dad, they, they went through it for over 45 years and she passed away. And that's what I saw. I guess that's what I decided I was going to do too. So you you saw you almost saw domestic violence or domestic abuse as normal. I didn't see it as normal, no. Because well, you, you I said that I would never be I would never find myself in a relationship like that and I did. Wow. I, I didn't think it was normal, I know. You knew it was Even wrong. From, yeah. But you stayed because this is what you're supposed I, to do, kinda just yeah, stick it I out. Say that you for better or worse and that's what happened, you'll get through it and eventually it's going to stop one day. Do you still feel that way? Do you still feel like for better or worse includes abuse? No. <laughs> okay. No, not at yeah. all. Yeah. That's good to know. That's yeah. good for somebody who's listening. And like, you know, we look at our vows and it says for better or for worse and sickness and health because there is a level of sickness. Somebody's got to be slightly ill to yeah. do that kind of pain to somebody. And, and this is what I can really relate to when I'm dealing with a perpetrator mm -hmm. you know that part with the minimizing denying blaming justifying mm -hmm. that's what my my ex would never admit to being abusive to me yeah. and i i don't you know don't get it you know yeah so i can relate to the, and you know when i when i counsel the the perpetrators i can relate to you know where they're coming from and i can know that you know i can understand that denial mm. piece you know yeah 
and the minimizing. Okay, good, good. Latasia, your story. Um, well, like her, I came from a family that is pretty abusive or violent. Mm-hmm. Um, probably more so on one side than the other, but there was violence on both sides. My um, father's mother, my grandmother who raised me, she um, had an abusive husband. And so I saw that and my mom and dad when I was younger, um, I saw, you know, their abuse and then watched my mom, you know, go through different abusive relationships. And just like I said, my family was pretty, (coughs) it's pretty violent. Mm. So um, violence was just something that's just normal. Like you could have a a fist fight, get punched in the face and then y'all at Popeye's like 30 minutes later and y'all chilling. So, I mean, um. That was normal to me. Violence was a normal thing to fight and to argue to possibly get stabbed or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just it, that was a normal thing. So. um. So hold it. Hold it. You you said y'all could be you could have a fist fight with a family member and be at Popeye's later on, like the same day, like nothing happened. Yeah. No apology. It's just would it be like, oh, I'm sorry. And then. You know, it'd be a I mean, cycle, or would it be no? It might be so that the apology might be, "Are you hungry?" <laughs> wow. You know, like wow. So, um, wow. yeah. So, I mean, that was just like I, honestly, I had to learn um, healthier norms. Actually, through I got when I came to Zion, that's kind of how I started to learn um, certain things. Not saying that I didn't understand right from wrong. Of course, when you hit someone, it's wrong, but mm-hmm. it's still level of um normality in that toxicity mm-hmm. so um and comfort because it's normal mm. so even if it if i know it's wrong or you know you see you watch a lifetime story and you mm-hmm. can know that is but sometimes like the domestic violence i experienced wasn't like a lifetime movie so um what was the difference between what you experienced in a lifetime movie <laughs> Well, first of all, I m- met this person. Like when you see a Lifetime movie and someone's being, well, the Lifetime movies or the movies I've seen, it's like, oh, he's this angry, nasty person who's just dragging her and beating her up. Uh-huh. And, you know, it seems really heartless and cold. And it's like, why are you staying? And I've been that person to judge. But like, you crazy. You going to let somebody whip you too? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's not me. I've always been considered this strong person. And I'm a fighter. I consider mm-hmm. myself a fighter. So mm-hmm. um, even with this, I don't consider myself a a survivor or a victim i consider myself a victor in the situation mm-hmm. so um the person was i met the person like in middle school actually Stratford Woods. they tore those down but he stayed his father stayed above my mom in the apartments and um he would come and visit his dad mm-hmm. and so i met him that way so we were friends like i went to thomas johnson he went to another middle school and then we ended up meeting up at duval high school and then we ended up dating mm-hmm. and I didn't have a very close relationship with my dad. My grandmother raised me, um, didn't have a really close relationship with my dad or my mom, but he was sort of like my protector, mm-hmm. my covering, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I didn't ha- I lacked that. So he was one of those people who would be like, oh, don't hang with them or don't wear this or don't do that. Mm. And you telling me not to do something kind of gave me a, a structure or field of void that I needed at that time as a kid, you know, I'm 14, 15. Oh, my man said I can't do this. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it was a comfort. It was like, oh, someone cared enough to tell me I can't do something or they care that much about me. They don't want no, nobody to do something. I mean, I remember somebody had said something to me in high school and um, I guess the guy liked me. I don't know what happened. And they played this game where you go to the body. But he ended up like breaking the dude's ribs and it was really because he was angry at what the dude had said to me. So it was like, oh, he's my protector. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was younger, already coming from the type of background that I came from and then not having my dad, even I, that was normal for me. Even him being overprotective and overbearing and telling me what I could and couldn't do and where I could and couldn't go. That was a form of abuse. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that mm-hmm. because I was young and that was my normal Mm -hmm. so as i got older um and like i went away to college we still kept in contact came back we got back together and we were actually supposed to get married and we moved in together but the difference from being 14 and 15 to being 25 and 26 was i no longer needed a dad Mm -hmm. i was more mature had more security in myself and um so 
even though I had changed his mentality of who we were as a couple hadn't changed. Sure. And so you telling me where I could and couldn't go, or what I could and couldn't wear, or who I'm supposed supposed to be with. I mean, you know, like to, to hang with wasn't working for me, mm-hmm. and it, it it created a friction between us. And that's where the physical violence between between us had really started. Not that we never had anything physical happen in high school, but to me, it wasn't that serious. It escalated. Because you weren't you weren't complying now, yeah, so I'm it, was, not it was a fight waiting to happen. Miss Priscilla, you talked about so so she said him trying to tell her what to wear is a form of abuse. Like most people think about domestic violence, they do think about somebody getting dragged by their head down the hallway or something. Mm-hmm. Tell us the different types of abuse, the kind of like the spectrum of it. Okay, so when we look at domestic violence and then we look at domestic abuse. Okay. okay? So think of the subtle ways, like you say, the isolation when you, you know, when they want to keep you away from your friends, they want to monitor who you see, where you go, what you do, check your phone, get upset when you don't answer the phone, things like that. You know, those are the non-physical parts. And then, of course, the the violent piece come in when there's like the physical, the the strangulation, the hitting, the kicking, the punching. The strangulation that has happened that had happened maybe once in high school, and you know the the grabbing and stuff. Like I said, it was slightly physical as a high schooler, but not like when I became an adult. Did you tell anybody when he did it? When, when he was trying to strangle you? Did when you I tell anybody? Young. Yes. No. Wow. You didn't have anybody. You didn't have anybody else to go to. I mean, but it wasn't so much of a fear thing because I was a I was fighting back as well. So it was almost like you hit me, I hit you. Wow. So again, as a child, you don't understand. You don't realize it's still abuse because just because you're fighting back doesn't mean it's not abuse. So here's here's the question I want to ask y'all. Which so when you when you live in that kind of even though it's dysfunctional, it seems normal. Like, how much impact does that have on you when you finally come out of it? Do you have, do you find yourself like, well, I don't know how to receive love from somebody that won't try to dominate me. Like, this don't even feel like love. You ain't going to slap me. You ain't going to like, you ain't going to tell me, you ain't going to put me down. You too, you holding the door for me. Like, does that, does that like continue to kind of linger? But that's a very good question. See, with me. I I got divorced in 2011, mm-hmm. and um, I tried the dating scene, and I didn't know how to do the dating scene. So mm-hmm. actually, a lot I, has changed in about 40 years, right? I don't try to date because I don't know the game. And right. I guess then do what I do seven days, five days a week. I, I don't. I'm just happy. I think I'm just happy to be loving on me right now. Okay, <laughs> and. I don't even put myself out there to to date right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I think I'm trying to make up for those 30 years. So I'm just enjoying life. Yeah. Doing what I want to do, going where I want to go, see who I want to see. You have kids? I do. Are they older? Yes. Okay. And you got any grands? I do. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it right there. And right? I love them. Yeah. Right now, that's enough for me. Yeah. But so. but but Latasia, you you that's not you're not done. Like no, you don't have grandkids <laughs> and like you 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 nodded your head. Our audience can't see us, but when I said, has this impacted the way you process or define love now? You nodded your head. Like yeah, I actually still <laughs> I'm I go to counseling. I started going to counseling after that. Um, mm-hmm. And then I stopped because I thought I was okay, but then realized I still needed to go. Mm-hmm. But um, like I started dating after, like I've dated after that, of course. But mm-hmm. even in my relationships, um, because toxicity and arguing and fighting was normal to me. That's that's normal. Mm-hmm. That was normal to me to, in a relationship. Right. And I got with someone. Like, what kind of relationship was this? We ain't fighting. We ain't f- right. You you don't like you ain't gonna I, choke me because in my mind I'm thinking you don't have enough passion, so that means you don't care about me. Oh, yeah. That's how I 
and that's how I internalized it or broke it mm-hmm. down, which doesn't really make sense, but mm-hmm. it made sense to my toxic mind frame. So I was mm-hmm. with someone who was not used to that. And so when we didn't agree or when something didn't go right and I'm, you know, I'm talking, I'm, I think that I'm having a conversation, but really I'm yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really see myself. And so it became toxic, even more toxic because of, of my toxicity and what I was mm-hmm. used to. So, the them loving me i wasn't used to their way of loving me mm-hmm. which was more healthy yeah than what i was used to so i just didn't and i know that sounds weird but i just didn't understand it mm. i didn't receive it well so when so when you was asking or when you were saying so if someone is loving you do you know how to receive it i'm still learning how to to receive certain things um that are healthy as opposed to the the toxic way of someone watching me or paying you know if you're not saying i should change my hair a certain way if you know if you're not but Pastor questioning Adam, things yes um i encourage my um my survivors now don't shy away because you know once you know you you do better so when you know what like you say healthy relationships look like mm-hmm. you know what the oh, red flags look I like i don't shy away i want to be healthy so I, that's why i go to counseling like i don't when i see yep now it's not oh if i see red flag if i see a yellow flag i question it okay. and i don't waste my time in situations that i know look toxic or could become a toxic situation because i can't i don't want to date potential and i don't want to date a potentially toxic person so and even with me i've i've gone without dating or if i felt like that this person brought out something in me that wasn't healthy then i just stopped so i'm i'm definitely wouldn't shy away from it i'm not afraid to date um with the resources now that i have i wouldn't and that's you know. that's good but see when it comes to me to answer that question i'm not ready but i wouldn't discourage people who've been through abusive relationship to give up mm-hmm. on it because she said all the right things you know what to look for and you get out early yeah, you know don't go long like years well let's talk about that because you no. y'all you are, are both kind of out right yeah out of the conundrum of a um, toxic violent hostile relationship somebody's listening is in it mm-hmm. and they really are in it like somebody told them you need to listen to this so first of all i want you to talk to that person and what 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 does your heart want to say to the to the person who's in that situation whether it's a man or a woman um and what advice would you what would you tell them to do and what would you tell them not to do like they're not going to change you're saying they're not going to change unless they are actively trying to go to counseling and get help. They are not going to change. They think that they're going to change because they might do something like. Well, who's not going to change the perpetrator? The person who's the, the the abuser. Like when I was in a relationship, it wasn't always abuse. We went out, we had fun, we laughed. This was somebody who was my friend, and we had fun together. And he was kind to me. He bought me gifts, not just buying me gifts, but we spent good time. We had good days. Mm-hmm. So it's not like us. That's when I meant when I said it's not like a lifetime story. Mm-hmm those lifetime movies we had good days but just because they were good days doesn't mean that you know what I'm saying like that doesn't overpower the abusiveness like I almost died in this situation so like you're saying, saying don't 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 believe the person no who's a, who's the perpetrator is going to change which is is that is that what you find keep some people holding on they, they, they hold just on to the hoping thought. he's not going he's look at how good he's been the last three days or whatever it's just going to escalate because it just continued to escalate. it went from them him saying something to me disrespectful to him calling me out of my name to him then finally putting his hands on me and pushing me or shoving me to him actually choking me to where i blacked out to them being bloodshed mm. from situations for me having to like run and being chased on the highway like mm. you following me like my school having to be locked down you coming to the church you re- i don't know if you remember that but he came to the church with like two guns and a knife pastor some pastors i don't know if i should say their names uh, they, I don't know. I don't, PJ, I don't remember it. Pastor Joe Lee, Pastor Daryl, like all of them had to go out there. They called the police. Then this is after a restraining order was put on him. And he still came up to the church. T- like Terry Parker had to lock me inside, you know, the disciplines at Mercantile. Mm. So like it, it doesn't like it just continued. To See why me. y'all got to appreciate pastors. <laughs> I'm preaching. And I don't even know what's going on. So to answer your question, you know, you would say. What would you say to a person who's in it? That's in it. 
What should you do and what, what shouldn't you do? What you do? Okay, so what would you say to a person who's in it and they don't want to leave? Because we do have those. Okay. Okay. Because I'm talking from personal experience and right. my training. Sure. Okay. So what I hear. Right. All right. So what? in my case, now I'm talking as a counselor now, okay? okay. Not as a past survivor of domestic violence. Okay. Okay. So you have to let them know, first of all, the danger that they're in, then you may want to uh, say the plan with them, right? Say what? What she said is correct. You know, they're gonna have they're gonna have to be the one to to want to leave, and they're gonna have to understand that nothing they do is gonna change that person. Right. So what I said that what what we have to do what place a uh, safety plan with them. Okay. How to you know navigate the relationship. You know, you're creating a safety plan while they're still in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Let them and what does that look like? Okay, so you let them identify the danger. Mm-hmm. All right, you help them navigate, um, like if they're um, the signs. Mm-hmm. All right, then you want to help them with uh, uh, establishing, uh, establishing an exit plan. Mm-hmm. Like when you say what to do and what you don't do, yeah. you don't want to just up in the middle of a heated argument and say you're going to leave because that's that may be dangerous for you yeah i've you heard that plan you can't it. yeah you can't just leave because mm-hmm. they'll come get you so i would suggest that you know there's there's really help out there for those women mm-hmm. that they need to reach out to train counselors that can help them through the situation can you give some of the is there some toll-free numbers for people who may be in different areas or some information on what 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 would you say to somebody right now? Here's a number you need to call right now. So if, if someone, you're trying to get out, you need an exit plan. Yeah. And I want to hear what an exit plan is, by the way. Like, okay. how does an exit plan sound? Okay. When is a safe place? How is a safe place to get out? Okay. All right. So. First, give a number. All right. Somebody's listening. So the, like, the very first number I would tell them to call is the National Development. The National Domestic Violence Hotline, because that would give you the number in your area. Good. National Domestic Domestic Violence Hotline. Mm-hmm. Okay. 800-799-SAFE-7233. Okay. And then there's the next best thing that everybody's talking about in Prince George's County is the Family Justice Center. That is a one-stop shop where you can get everything that you need from legal to counseling, to HIV testing, to social services, everything that a, a survivor, someone that's trying to leave, um, would need. To a protective order, to emergency food, to emergency cash, food for their children, clothes for their children, a safe place to go, a safe house. So, so you didn't know about these things. Mm-mm. You were in it. Because I had a friend who gave me a key and said that um, if I need a safe place to go, I can go to her. So I created my own. Safe I mean, because I didn't know about it, and I probably would have would not have reached out to them because I don't know them or trust them. Right. Because I have called the police before and they came and didn't do anything. So. Well, what there's if, a message behind that too. I've had conversation with law enforcement. There yeah. is a real dangerous, life-threatening situation for a law enforcement agent when they come in a situation mm-hmm. like that. So. You the Family Justice Center opened, I think, in 2016. So it wasn't even around. Oh, but yeah. what, what Latasia's saying is she had to go somewhere with somebody she could trust. And but, but if you're listening, I want you to understand, if you're listening to this and you have nowhere else to go, you have nowhere. Because if you call your uncle, you call your brother, you call your father, they're going to fight. It's going to be like... Like, where do you go when it gets this bad? And what does an exit plan look like? Like, some people just don't know how to get out. They, you know, they feel like any day somebody can die in this house. Like, I this used to take stuff to her house every time I went. So you, was, you would gradually time. exit. Okay. Is there, let me ask you this. Do you, st- how many years or months or weeks have you been out of that relationship specifically? Um... I want to say my last court date to be completely done was September 2006. September 2006. So you went to court. You had to get you had to get protective orders, etc. Mm-hmm. Do you still feel threatened to this day? It's 12 years later. <laughs> Do you still 
pull up at a light and look in your rearview mirror and wonders. No. So you now twelve years. How long did it take you before you could have some peace? I think I finally started having complete peace and not really caring. Maybe a couple of years ago. So that may have been ten years. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a heck of a price to pay. How about you? You've been out since two thousand eleven. Do you, you are you protected legally? Oh yeah. See, all right. So, so I guess a person has to ask themselves whether or not they feel safe, or you think a person gonna kill you. I never thought my ex was gonna kill me. It, mm-hmm. it didn't get that way. We just need to get divorced. Mm-hmm. So when we're divorced, it's clean, mm-hmm. cut, cut. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have children, grandchildren together. So you know, it's you have to weigh. So you the still situation. see them. In family events, events, okay. yeah, he's remarried, and so bless and so her. Huh? I guess that's Pray what you have her. to look at the difference between mm-hmm. <laughs> domestic abuse and domestic violence, right? Because, um, how they say they say one out of four women are in a, a domestic relationship, and one out of no, one out of three women and one out of four uh, men. One out of so, four women are in a domestic abusive relationship. Abusive, yeah. Okay, so yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so you have to think about it that way. Mm-hmm. A person who really think that that person gonna kill them, like they say that if you leave me, I'm gonna kill you. You have to take that serious. That's the person that we really want to like and make sure they know how to reach out to someone, what to do in that case. Okay, and the so, exit plan includes calling so these places, ex- right? Yeah, exit planning me just like what she did. That's a very good start. Like. Um, gradually moving your gradually stuff. Gradually moving your stuff, making sure you have Doing. all your important documents. Say it's I can't not, never go back to my house, so you want to have a bag, almost like you know in the movie. Keep enough. a bag in my car. Keep I've a bag in the car. car. Keep all your important records. Keep all your medication. Keep all your children information. Keep everything that you think that you, like you would never be able to go back home again. Mm-hmm. Keep that safe. And you want to maybe start putting money aside. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to have you want to have numbers memorized. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, so it's safe to plan while you're in the house, safe to plan uh, when you plan to leave, safety planning at work at in the community. Um, people you can call to uh, notify have like passwords yeah so, a password that would say if i send this word if i say apple mm-hmm. i'm in trouble right you call the police i might just text you and say apple or i might answer the phone and say hey apple you know i might because i want him to think nothing's going on let me call you back apple mm-hmm. or something i think that's important it's your amber alert to your safe person but to go through it alone i think is very very dangerous because you know they say the most dangerous time for a woman is when she wants to leave yeah especially when they don't want you to leave so that's why you have to plan it and the next most important thing which you can get all of this at the family justice center is a protective order Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's good. That's gonna safeguard. Because when I called the police, I thought that they would put him out and keep him out, and all mm-hmm. they said was they can, they could only let him leave. Then I'm like, well, he has a key, and I had. To, they told me I had to go yep. to the court and fill it out. So, but go. when you get the protective but order, they you don't have the energy to do all that. You want to stay safe, or if you don't have a car, but I know that is mm-hmm. that is that's so wonderful. The family justice center. You don't need a car. You don't need anything. They're gonna take care the of the family justice you. center i love it mm-hmm. and that's right next to the courthouse you're gonna leave the courthouse and go straight there in upper marlboro let me shift gears a lot this is very helpful y'all thank you for this let's 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 talk about children who are being abused if we can for a minute like if you're a parent what should you be looking for particularly if it's a child who can't talk maybe you know they're um like do you deal with children being abused or is it typically uh, two adults in a relationship? Or do you yeah. do with that? Well, my that agency, we don't deal with children. We okay. only deal with intimate partner adults. I got you. So we Which refer is them out. The IPA, intimate partner adult. Mm-hmm. Intimate, intimate partner abuse. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a new term, IPA? For a child, some of the things you can look for depending on their ages. For a child. Some of the things you can look for, depending on the age, is if they um, bleeding, if they um, wet themselves, if they flinch, um, you know, uh, mm. 
those are things that to pay attention to when they're in school if they start to distance themselves like a drop in their grades or um clear evidence of you know abuse like um when i worked at duval there was this one girl and um she was always irritated she was always but she was a good person but then one time she came to school and her eye was bloodshot red and um she was saying her mom had hit her by accident mm-hmm. but i mean it was you know she was being abused or whatever so i mean just noticing the differences in their in their character and their attitude and their grades stuff like that mm-hmm. and one good thing about the school system they are mandated to report it mm-hmm. so if a child and they recognize the child may be reacting differently bedwetting acting out they can report that and so are our, our agency mm-hmm. so is our agency let's talk about the perpetrator for a minute I got a couple of questions about the perpetrator do you believe do each of you believe that most abusers were once abused themselves do y'all think there's Either a pattern or they saw it mm-hmm. I became an abuser so yeah I think mm-hmm. so. I think so. It's kind of like like that unwanted legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever thought, I know you got training in this, have you ever thought of the psychology behind that? Is it just like you repeat what you see? It's a learned behavior. Learned behavior. Mm-hmm. But is it... And then you do, think it may be like you said, normal. Right. That's all they know, the dysfunction. Right. They mm-hmm. saw it and they it's environment. Repeat. And they want to re- they want to do what they saw sometimes. They want to be just like their controlling granddad or their the controlling father. They think that's what yeah. it is. Cuz that's what they're taught. Get your woman in check or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. I wonder if it's also some redirected aggression like somebody did this to me and I maybe never never be able to get them back, but I'm going to get like I'm indirectly getting back to people who hurt me by hurting somebody else. Is that is that stretch? Is that a stretch? You think? Hurt think? people hurt people. That's what you say. I mean, I mean it could be subconscious. They probably don't right. even realize. Don't it. even realize it, right? Another question about an abuser, like if you if you do you have any advice for perpetrators, like? What advice? Okay. Because you have to work with them. Mm-hmm. Like, so, not okay. that they're like you have to. I mean, it's part of your opportunity, your privilege to work with them because you can. Help so make first a of all, most of most of the perpetrators that come through our agency is court mandated, so they're mm-hmm. not voluntarily coming. I got you. So yeah, so, they had to get their paper signed so they can go right. So say I did it. First of all, a person, an abuser, a perpetrator has to recognize it, acknowledge their abuse, and mm-hmm. they're going to have to want to change. That's the only thing that's going to change them. Mm-hmm. And like I said, majority of the our program is 26 weeks. It may take 26 them weeks? Long. Mm-hmm. It may take them the whole 26 weeks to, to even acknowledge mm-hmm. their, you know, their part in it because mm-hmm. they want to blame, deny mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. justify and minimize mm-hmm. the action mm-hmm. and I always want to focus on what she did mm-hmm. and not what they did so mm-hmm. we have to always redirect mm-hmm. it back mm-hmm. to their actions mm-hmm. so the services that we provide I don't think a lot of people know that and in that protect one thing a good thing about if you go to court the judge may you know that's how they get there Oh, and then the, they ordered the, the survivor can ask, especially if they want to stay in the relationship, because you you can have a protective order and still live with your partner. The protective order was to say no abuse. Mm-hmm. If he abused that, if he commit abuse again, that means he's in violation. Mm-hmm. So they can ask the judge to order the abuse intervention program mm-hmm. where the abuser. And then we suggest she come also to the survivors group. Mm-hmm. Especially if they want to stay together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen it work? Like, and a a perpetrator gets tra- gets consultation, training, and awareness about their behavior. The survivor gets educated, and then they don't split and go on about their separate ways. They literally find a way to be whole and and healthy together have you ever seen well, in your years, years I, of working that i know they work real hard to get back together now if, whether or not they stay together because a lot or of stay or stay healthy like in a sense of a non-abusive relationship i can't answer that question i don't i'm not sure yeah I don't know. but I, again 
the fact that you can't say emphatically that I've seen these things turn around for good is a message in and of itself mm-hmm. that it kind of goes back to what you said until the abuser is ready to change like like you know like maybe maybe the fact that these two people fight like every time they see each other they say this is for my I fight like I will never till I'm to, to the day I'm dead others uh, ever view you in a way that I ain't gonna one day you we gonna be laughing one day then we gonna be in the parking lot pulling each other's eyeballs out and stuff yeah. like but it's one thing about the guys that come through the group the perpetrators because we have women female perpetrators also mm-hmm. that come through the group and they know what they have to go through they say they don't want to come because it takes time mm-hmm. and it takes money because mm-hmm. our survivors group they don't have to pay but the perpetrators group they it's they have to pay mm. so and then hopefully they're learning something and they don't want to well the first thing they say is they don't want to repeat this because sure. it's money and time mm-hmm and they, they don't want to get locked up again. So Well, I'm glad you said that they're female abusers and and I'm confident that that's that's the case and it's and it's partly for almost the opposite reason. A lot of men have been raised to say never put your hands on a woman. Don't ever touch a woman. And so she already knows he ain't going to do nothing. So she'll get in his face and disrespect him and punch him and hit him. And he just covering himself up and walking out and leaving. But whenever she wants to just slap him and just go off on him. Like, I want to I want to say to every man who's listening, and that's your story. That's not healthy either. You need boundaries. You need to stand up. And I'm not saying beat her up. But I'm saying, tell her if she does it again, the relationship is over. There's gonna be some. There's got to be consequences to somebody crossing a line or and crossing a also, boundary. My Even also. for a woman, I don't think women just get to just slap people around and hit people <laughs> because I'm a girl. You should take this. I'm a. You a man. You should be able to take this. No, that's that's psychologically and emotionally destructive. It does something to a person beyond the beyond the slap and the bruise. What it does to a person's well-being their sense of wholeness that you have put your hands on me like that you have disrespected me with your words it is never okay it is never okay to be in that space for anybody man or a woman so i want to make that clear because typically we do you know get on the guys but i want to say to every woman out there that's doing that that's wrong too and if you're doing it i became that way after the fact like once i um like later on, I, I ended up becoming an abusive person, um, physically, but more so verbally abusive mm-hmm. in my relationships, which is what made me start going to counseling. Yeah, about it, because mm-hmm. I saw myself being exactly what I was trying to get away from. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I just want to say we have male survivors also that come. They yeah. they have start reporting it. Men have start mm-hmm. reporting it. And also, a safe house would also take uh, a male abuser, yeah. victim. We had a male um, abuser, a victim, who was supposed to be on the podcast today, but had to pick up his daughter. And we really wanted him on because he's, an, he's yeah. considered an anomaly, right? But he was a victim of abuse. He had an and awesome story. I got a chance to hear his story, too. Really? And I haven't heard it. Yeah. So, maybe on a later podcast, we're able to hear his story. But... I got to I got to um, I know we're running out of time. I'm, I want to say this and this is a little strange, but if there's something you could tell your abuser, your perpetrator, you spent a long time with them, share grandchildren with this person, share children with the person. And you definitely have a history with since the elementary, the junior high school that they shut down through Duval, through telling you what to wear and all of that. Like, what would y'all say to that person now if you could say anything and you had an opportunity? What would you tell that person? (laughs) (laughs) They both passing this pass to the other one. I mean, I've we've talked. So I've we've we've talked, like I said, a couple of years ago. Um, Somehow he would always find like I was at Duval. He came to Duval. I went to Ended up at working at Thomas Johnson. He was there. He knows where I live now. Um, he's there in what sense? Passing through or ended up working there himself? I mean, when I saw him on my street, he was like his uncle or something lives in that area. So, you know, 
but it would be times where I would be pumping my gas somewhere else and he would pop up and he always just was like, you know, I just want to apologize. He was always very apologetic and mm-hmm. and we even tried to have a friendship after that, but it just I still saw some things. But the point is they did they wanted to change and they recognized some things that they had, had done wrong and they apologized and that's fine. And um and I forgave them and so I've said everything that I needed to say and I let them know that we can no longer be friends at all, not even on social media. Mm-hmm. But I forgive them. So we've already had you know And this person didn't friend. try to plow through that boundary and say I mean nah, at I, one point, yeah, it was it was like a it was some you know, like, you know, that's basically like it wasn't right or mm-hmm. but um they, I, f- I think they, they finally understood and there's nothing there that makes me feel unsafe. They don't bother me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's like I said, they were my friend. Like we've known each other since like 13, 14 years old. So it's, that's a hard situation from you being my friend to being like a high school sweetheart to us planning to have a family, you know, be together. But because of the toxicity, we can't. Mm-hmm. And us both coming from, you know, a lifestyle or a family, family lifestyles that were violent. So, mm-hmm. I mean, do you feel like that'll always be a temptation for you to resist going back into that? I always call it the no. power of the familiar. So you really feel like that that stronghold's been broken? Because I, I feel like, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead. No, I think that at one point it was. I'm not. No, okay, going back to them or going back to toxicity. I'm not going to say that toxic situations don't appear in certain you know like like i said when you no, are I mean dating that person specifically oh, no definitely not no temptation okay. to ever go back there okay that's good thank you for saying that past battle mm-hmm. because that's what i would say to my <laughs> thank you for getting married again <laughs> thank you and i hope you're happy yeah. so i know that really closed the door yeah for me when you got there because knowing See, me thing- i'll be fighting probably go back so that's even what a, I would say to him. <laughs> I always say, even a bad thing is tempting when it's familiar. Like, Definitely. for me, like, like, um, you know, obviously, if the consequence of the of the choice, if the price is super high, I ain't willing to pay it. That's one thing. But I'm glad you're in that space. I'm glad that both of you are in the space where there's a there's in your case there's a mar- there's a domestic boundary there. There's a there's a line you can't cross, and some there are women who cross that. But he was mine first, and be a gangster with it. But mm-hmm. you have a domestic boundary there, so you can kind of proceed, you know, back, oh, back to back to back to the you know life as we were, or life as as it is. So and you so have I, an emotional boundary, like oh no, like, and I feel like it's authentic. But I do want you to uh, so so that I don't want to trigger you, mm-hmm. but I do want you to be aware. That there's a broken part of you that connected with him. And that broken part of you needs to continue to be mentored and discipled by the whole part of you. Because if that part of you starts leading the way again, mm-hmm. he's perfect. Because he was perfect then. The, whatever well, whatever yeah. in us no, that was right. dysfunctional doesn't go away. No, it, just, it just gets discipled. If that makes sense. It I, gets, yeah. I, I don't have a fear of going back to him. I do. Um, I do like I said you I have a fear of going back to it to the situation to that, the kind of that environment because kind of yeah, yeah. I will say that when you were asking I was like oh no I don't I'm not tempted ever to go back to him but I'm not going to say that there's not that temptation to fall back into toxic situations that are similar sure to that maybe not to that extreme because I've I've definitely grown from you know and I understand yeah. some things but I'm not going to say that certain you still things want somebody to, that, to steal you and then say nah, you're nah, hungry nah, definitely <laughs> you're hungry but right. I, but not trying to be funny right. like I still they're, I, they're not physically that's I just you know mm-hmm. there are some things about me cuss you out you want somebody to cuss you out then bring you a three I, piece I still might be three yeah, piece with I, dirty rice. I still might feel some type of way I, I still might argue and mm-hmm. then and, and that's normal for me and I still have to check myself I still have to pay attention to those parts of me because there there's still an embedded yes. toxicity there mm-hmm. that has to, like you said it has to be what did you say counseled? I said disciple disciple I think counseling is a part of the discipleship process awareness like I think there are there are um, immature 
without because you work in special ed so i want to use this term very um carefully mm. i think there are retarded parts of us that are underdeveloped emotionally I agree. that make us do childish stupid stuff because if you're 31 years old and you're running down the street and somebody chasing you we we have a problem right that is not normal you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Definitely. And I'm saying whatever that was, and I don't even know how old you was. I'm just saying, if I do that at 31, that six-year-old is still there. Now, that six-year-old might have a 12-year-old maturity now, right? So mm-hmm. we ain't going to run down the street, but we might be in the parking lot, mm-hmm. right? This mm-hmm. Whatever. Okay. I'm just saying continue to mentor that part of me so that the more whole I am, the more the more intolerable I become of so many more things. Like I, I can now see why that, why he is d- intolerable. And that's because that broken part has gotten nurtured and developed. Yeah. That's what I'm. And I'm about. still working on that nurturing. So I'm, I'm with you. I definitely understand yeah. and, and feel you. You can leave an offering for that whenever. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> Just soft money, please. No change. We have to figure out a way to break the, to break the cycle of, you know, abuse because so many people are just living with it. They, you know, with the disrespect, you mm-hmm. know, the cheating, the lying, the cursing, the fighting. Yeah. They they settle, but they have to know that it starts with building self esteem, yeah. loving yourself, and not knowing, you know. But also I coming know. out of your comfort zone because even mm-hmm. with me building my self esteem and loving myself, I definitely, definitely believe I love myself more than what I used to and I'm still working on loving myself love and knowing love him but no also understanding what love is like his first question well his comment earlier about do we even understand like I was telling someone if you don't even if you weren't even taught really what love is or how to love yourself properly if you don't know what that looks like even with yourself if if my mother didn't know how to love herself and I watched her or my grandmother didn't know how to love themselves so I have to learn it from somewhere you can't Mm -hmm. just say do better and not show me how to do better Mm -hmm. like I said when I came to Zion I got around other people who I was able to learn and grow from other Mm -hmm. strong women go ahead and plug the church I agree with that but I ain't even trying to be like that but Zion Church pretty much kind of saved my life and you do you know what I'm saying and there's a lot of people there that you can learn from Um, the person who gave me a safe place to go wasn't my friend she didn't know Mm -hmm. me like that she just had been in a, a similar situation and gave me a key and says you have a safe place to come so like but familiarity is the issue when we don't want to step out of our comfort zone the problem is because those things I've watched I, I've watched abuse and have been abused since the age of two that I can remember so it's familiar so when even if it's something that's healthy if it's unfamiliar it's going to feel uncomfortable even if it's healthier than what you're used to mm. so going to counseling and then and becoming more familiar in practice of being in a healthy situation and accepting that that's how you help break the cycle when you're comfortable and you don't want to step out of that comfort zone of accepting something that's more healthy than the toxicity that's more comfortable that's the problem you still fall back into it well I, I want to come back to your question because you said how do we break the cycle and I'm not saying I have all the answers but I think I think what you both have revealed to me today through your experiences is that at some point it's got to come down to I got to be willing to lose everything to get me to save me because whether you're a man or a woman and you're and you're in a toxic abusive or violent whatever level or stage is at you have to be because because there is going to be a cost like if i walk away from this and i lose my marriage or i lose this relationship or i lose my because there's some social uh embarrassment connected to even when a bad relationship doesn't work right mm-hmm. we have to admit that too it's, it, there is a level of yeah i'm a divorcee or yeah i broke up with carlos and we was together like but i gotta be willing to lose all of that to save myself because what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? Like, I don't, and that's, that's, I know that in the Bible that's talking about our eternal soul, but I think you can lose your soul in a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And like, I got to get my soul back. If I'm alone, if I'm living in down somebody's basement, if you're recovering and you're getting your soul back, yourself back, that is priceless because you can lose yourself 
trying to hold on to something that's that's actually killing you. So that's what I would say. The cycle of abuse ends when I when I when I say I can't die like this. I want to know what it's like to really to really be me and to find me and to find my best self because that was you. But to find your best life, like living my best life. What's that word say at the beginning of that song? I'm living my best life. I ain't got time. Smile, B. Something like I ain't got time for (laughs) just what's that part of? I ain't going back and forth with you. Come um, on. That's a domestic <laughs> violence verse. I ain't going back and forth with you. All right. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much, Miss Priscilla. Thank you, Miss Latasia. I appreciate y'all Thank for opening up, talking about a very important subject. Thank you for taking time out to be here today. I want to thank our producer, Asha Battle, for always holding it down, making sure we're always on point here. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in today and being a part of the podcast. Uh, Just by way of information, please check us out. Go by uh, SoundCloud, head over to iTunes, like us, subscribe to us, comment, all that. I love hearing back from you guys. And um, please send us questions. You can go to app to over to sagacitycompany.com. That's S-A-G-A City Company. Sagacitycompany.com. There's an ask a question button at the bottom of the homepage. I'll do my best to answer your most pressing questions. If there's any information you wanted to get from Miss Priscilla today, Priscilla Thomas, and all the organizations that she has access to for important information regarding domestic violence, just hit us up. We'll put you in contact with her or her company, her organization. And if you want to um, go to Lago High School and just stalk Latasia <laughs> Lee, we'll tell you how to boogie yourself on them. No, I'm just joking. Um, thank you all again for being here. We'll catch you next week right here on the Key Battle Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.